Get autographed copies of New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com. Get inspired and motivated to be your best self with Be The Star You Are, 99 Gifts, and Be The Star You Are for Teens. Buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums. Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 have a plan for your life. You've set goals. You know where you want to go. Congratulations on finding Star Style. Be the star you are. Our vibrant hosts, passion, purpose, and possibility producer Cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter, healthy living specialist Heather Brittany, share the best roads, fastest detours, and successful strategies for a life worth living. Reach your potential with their personal achievement coaching, miracle moments, inspiring guests, titillating interviews, and business bites. Be introduced to new books and innovative ideas that encourage you to live a positive, sustainable lifestyle while achieving your dreams. Ignite your power, make a difference in the world, and shoot for the stars. It's the power hour of living, loving, laughing, and learning. On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now. Never say never. Live your dream. I bet you've missed our party in this whole last week. Hello, Power Partners. Welcome to our informational playground. You are listening to Star Style, be the star you are. It's brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. And we are your hosts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we're coming to you live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The miracle moment for today is really a good one. Of course, every week it's a good one. This is by W. <laughs> Clement Stone. Be careful the environment you choose, for it will shape you. Be careful the friends you choose, for you will become like them. Mm. Yes, it, you know, it comes to we are, are, we are mirrors of our friends. Well, that particular Miracle Moment quote is going to actually usher us into our second segment when we talk about BFFs in the garden. I know people are probably thinking, what, in the garden? You've got a best friend forever? Well, yes, it's true, and you're <laughs> going to hear all about it. And segment three, an interesting conversation. It's going to be mind over money and really how we uh, work with money with our kids. Money's a common stressor, yet I'm not so sure we're doing such a good job as adults in teaching kids the value of money. But right now, we are talking about superfoods because, you know, there are so many great foods out there. A lot, you know, people are saying eat lots of kale, eat lots of fish. But what happens if you consume too much of a good thing? Heather, can there be such thing as too much of everything that's good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the funny thing, you know, we, uh, stuff, you know, we're constantly reporting on all this stuff. And truly, the, the one takeaway with all things in life, I mean, it's the simplest thing, um, but yet we never really seem to um, abide by it, is that moderation is key to everything. You can have 
too much of everything. You can have too much water in your, you know, there's things, too much air, not enough. You can right. I mean, you know, when you said water, I mean, things. people have actually drowned from drinking too much water. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and that can actually cause, you know, various other toxicities. So, what I mean is um, there's all, you know, this big health food craze, and I'm totally someone I feel, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I mean, we do not want to be polluting our bodies with brownies and, and uh, cupcakes and cookies, and we know as humans how we feel. At least I know the difference between a day when I've been eating really healthy and really fresh, and I feel a lot of times when I travel, when I'm not in the United States, because we seem to put sauce and grease and fatten up everything. Um, when you're outside, you know, Mexico, Thailand, uh, Hawaii, even, even Hawaii, which considered, you know, America, but if you go, you know, the fresher places closer to the ocean, fresh fruit, you know, the side kind of stand in the road, um, food truck kind of style, um, eating really fresh and healthy food, your body, you just feel different. You'll see, you know, more elasticity in your skin. Um, you know, you just overall feel good versus when you eat all this sort of, you know, junk food, all this stuff that has chemicals and processed things in it, um, your body, you know, it wasn't meant to do this. So you, you feel the difference. You feel, feel run down. You, you feel, um, you know, those headaches, all those kinds of things. So I'm all for eating healthy. But as you know, you can eat too much of something and it can actually have negative effects on it. So first off, kind of just topping on the, the big health wave of things is kale. Now, kale is a total superfood. Um, it contains so many uh, nutrients. And one of the things is, um, you know, that, uh, excuse me, that it has somewhere between like 120 uh, to like 300 and something of your various, uh, oh, I know what it is. It's 206% of your daily amount of vitamin A, 134% of vitamin C, and 684% of vitamin K. And that's so for, that's you know, a, a daily C. So that's well, I think a, what's interesting about kale is how it's been around forever and it's always been good for us, but it's only in the last couple of years that it's really popular and hip, and now everybody wants kale. Yeah, and you know, and it has, you know, fiber and protein and, and potassium as it, and you know, actually kale is more potassium, uh, than bananas. But as you know too, kale on its own, um, it's pretty bitter. Um, it's super good for you, as I said, it's super good for you, but, um, you know, the amount that thing, you know, people should have that you should really only have, Amy, a limit yourself like a cup a day. Um, a lot of people are doing, you know, those big, uh, juice cleanse. And I'll, I have another thing to talk about the juice cleanse in a second, but, um, the thing that negative effects, um, with this is one, it can cause kidney, kidney stones, but something um, more uh, more important is these things called goiters, and basically what they are, are these giant lumps uh, in here, so they almost look like tumorous things, and what happens is by having so much kale, having all these um, all of these uh, uh, vitamins just sort of on overload, um, it can actually sort of change your genetics and the, uh, your molecular makeup. Um, for your thyroids, and it can cause overactive thyroids, and it can be more. Wow, common that women sounds awful! I men. hadn't even heard of that. That's um, that's yeah, a definite and so, and so, you know, various things. So, um, it, to to keep those things in mind. Now, again, this isn't that rare, but it isn't like it's just going to happen instantly. But things to keep in mind. I mean, that's you're putting a lot of vitamins, a lot that's sort of over nutrition things. Um, so, again, just kind of limiting yourself. Again, Do you know, you know what they consider over? I mean, I know it would probably differ for each person because it depends on body size. But, you know, are we talking about eating a bunch of kale a day or just eating, like, kale exclusively? 
So, no, just eating a bunch of kale. I'm not saying kale exclusively, but a lot of people are doing And And one thing, too, I want to note is that um, the the high toxicity of these things can be found in when it's raw. Um, usually if you cook, if you cook kale down, you know, steaming it, bake it, however you want to cook it, um, that will help dilute and almost eliminate any of these, the toxicity that could cause um, leading to these goiters that could upset the thyroid thing. But, however, as we know, when you cook things, it does eliminate a lot of the other nutrients in it. So it's sort of this catch-22 of things that you might get rid of one thing, but you get rid of all, a lot of more things to it. So they say, you know, limit one to two cups a day. Because uh, just that one cup, that's already so nutrient-rich, but that doesn't mean, okay, then now you can eat cupcakes and things. You really have to have the whole balanced diet of things. Um, and if you're just getting too, you really can have too much of a, a good thing. They say, you know, proteins are so good, but so much of that over time, your body can only break things down into so many things. And a lot of times with this green juicing, which I think, you know, juice cleansing can be really, can be good, but they're for a very short amount of time. It's not supposed to be, um, uh, it's sort of just to, to detoxify, sort of cleanse out your body while still giving your body a lot of nutrients and then, you know, introduce foods back into it. Um, a lot of times what this can cause too, when you put so many nutrients into your, so many vitamins, so such a heavy level, um, can cause a lot of um, bowel syndrome, a lot of things that, you know, people with diarrhea, um, a lot of times very painful ones and or, you know, sometimes constipation. Um, certain things talking about fiber, a lot of times, uh, you know, cereals, fortified food, you know, there's this big thing that fiber is really good for us. That's what keeps us, you know, our digestion system, quote, unquote, balanced. That's a good thing for us. But too much fiber can actually clog us up so that you get the opposite thing of it. So, um, well, again, yeah, you don't want that. That sounds really uncomfortable. Yeah, both things too. And, you know, so reading the back, a lot of times you see cereals like Total that say, you know, 100% of this, which is awesome. You definitely, wow, I want to choose the, the um, food that has 100% of my daily values. But then, again, you have to realize now, in essence, you've kind of satisfied that you, you can only have so much. So that's where things can kind of come in that you might have started to have stomach irritations, um, as we said, that uh, kidney stones. Um, best thing, too, is skip products that are packed with 100% of your daily values of nutrients and just consume plenty of balanced foods that have, you know, have a mixed table. And you see, you know, that's why we have the whole little pyramid or now I guess it's a circle um, to have choose from, from little bits um, because sometimes, too, Certain things, because of their high potency, their value, um, we're letting we're, we're oversatisfying uh, categories, um, and that you know we're, again we're getting too much of one thing. I know, for example, I I wish I could break my love affair with sushi. I know I've I've definitely kind of cut down on it, but at the same time, I find myself eating certain amounts of fish. The I love thing, it too. I think I could eat it every day, all day. But I think we have to watch what fish we eat. Yeah, and the big thing is that this first came to my attention um, after watching The Cove, um, which was a, a beautiful but whole, just so horrifically sad, um, an eye-opening documentary about um, the dolphins that are being uh, killed over in Japan. But the main thing after that they talk about is, um, I think is it called... Kitigawa disease, I forget. Anyways, it was this disease in Japan that they used to think they didn't know it was from, and it turns out it was really what this was, was mercury poisoning, and how these babies, were, people were born with these horrific deformities was um, the mercury in the fish that they were consuming because of industrialization that was going in, this, all this pollution was going into the water, 
the fish are in the water. They're eating the little fish in there, and then we were eating that. And then so all these poisons and toxins are going in the body, and especially into, uh, you know, babies that are in, in vitro of how sensitive their systems are that this poison was hence poisoning them and, and just causing these horrific things. And as we know that mercury poisoning, um, for us, you know, nowadays that, um, well, one thing to touch back is in the documentary, the filmmaker was from Colorado and he was saying, oh, you know, he only eats the finest fish. And so after being in Japan, um, he went over, they did test him, and he already had low traces of mercury poisoning. And they're saying that as Americans, especially we eat, we are on this sushi craze. I mean, I love it. You have to say there's so many places around here. This stuff's so amazing, but we're eating so much of it. And symptoms um, sometimes don't appear till later on in life. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes it can be vision issues, tingling fingers, muscle weakness, all things, common things that um, can get mixed up with something else too. The only true way to find out is if you get, get blood tests done or if there's something um, oftentimes what leads people to know that they have mercury poisoning is a trip. Um, sometimes your skin starts to turn um, sort of uh, grayish colors and just extreme weakness that, you know, un, unfair weakness that people just say they have no muscle strength. And the mercury um, poisoning is literally from eating too much fish that has uh, traces of mercury in it, right? And isn't it normally the large fish, uh, you know, I mean, like tunas and shark and all of that, where they say eat more mackerel or eat um, sardines, eat small fish because they don't have the, the mercury in them? Well, one thing, two things, so low traces would be like shrimp, crab, salmon, yes, mackerel, but again, a limited amount of saying you know, that is 12 ounces a week or um, so for example um, uh, all, oh, also also one thing too is with, when going with sushi be aware of um, farm raised versus wild your best bet is always going to be wild because farm raised think about these are in condensed areas um, I also I've had someone at a sushi restaurant be telling me before that worked there say um, even though I think it tastes delicious I've really been trying to cut that out of my Sushi intake diet is eel. Is eel, I guess, is one of the highest for mercury, and it's sort of they consider one of almost like a dirty fish. That um, a lot is that because it's like a bottom feeder? Is that why yeah, that would it's be like a bottom feeder? And a lot of times, that these are the ones. They're not wild things that they're catching them. Uh, that they're they're farm. Basically, there there are hundreds of them. You know, all contained into a small um, uh, fish tank sort of style thing. So. Be aware of that too. Also, be aware of, of added dyes, iodines that are added into fish so that they look, you know, more attractive. Um, or if things are, you know, le- uh, find out where it's from. How fresh is it? Um, all those are other things too that can trap it to, um, you know, just overall disease and stuff. One thing too that I love so much coming from the sea, um, and I just recently read another report about talking about it is seaweed. I knew seaweed, you were going to say um, that. That's like I our love favorite seaweed salad. salad. I love those little seaweed crispy chips, and I always felt, oh, I'm so healthy because I'm eating these. Um, and it's considered like a, a power fruit, you know, it, but also seaweed is really rich in iodine. And too much iodine, as I talked about before, causes thyroid problems, and which can cause weight fluctuations, um, those goiter things. I mean, that's it's a serious thing. What happens over time with, with all stuff, when we start putting things in our body, it changes our bodies, the, the molecular structure of it, our bodies start to change. Um, we recently were talking about lack of sleep and how 
when it comes back to, I mean, our bodies are just molecules. Um, we need that time to sleep for our body to regenerate, to do these things. And with lack of sleep, our body, our body starts chemically changing. So when we start putting all these foods into us, whether they're good or bad, um, good and bad things, good foods can actually kind of become bad foods. As um, We know a lot with uh, sugars, and I'm not saying that sugar is a good thing, but for a long time, you know, when there's the whole fat-free craze going on, how uh, companies, how food was sort of more tolerable is the fat was taken out, but sugars were put into it. And our body sort of breaks down you know, there's the good carbohydrates and bad, and it starts to turn sugars into fat. We store the sugars, and over time it adds up, and that has other health effects on us. So um, kind of just jumping all over the place, getting back into just the seaweed there, um, generally recommended or for kelp, um, a safety is stopping, you know, fresh seaweed in addition to sushi, probably just once once a week. Um, steer clear of a lot of those teas because they're high rich in iodine. In iodine. And those little um, seaweed chips, which I find they're so delicious, how they get so stuck in my teeth, I cannot eat those in a public place because it's just a hot mess. But um, they have a lot of sodium, a lot of salt added to it, and that can affect our diet as well. Um, you know, bloating, um, affect our heart, you know, you have to counterbalance that with potassium. So just be really aware. Check, um, you know, check labels. Um, and also maybe keep a food diary of how much you're eating of these things because, as I said before, your body can only absorb so much. And a lot of times when your body sort of reaches that limit of what it can absorb, um, it will kind of cause those bowel issues. Um, sometimes, you know, certain things, uh, for example, for pregnant women, they recommend, I believe it's uh, four or 500 uh, milligrams or whatever the percentage thing is of folic acid a day. And a lot of times you can take those prenatal but the way that they're lauded up is like an uneven amount. So you would have to take two or you'd have to get less of it. For the most part, that's a healthy thing. Your body will only absorb so much and you'll just urinate out the rest of it. But um, if you're taking on these supplements, because a lot of us don't, um, surprisingly, we get too much of one thing and not enough of another. And I take supplements. I'm a very big fan of it. I think they help in other ways. Um, but be really, you know, very mindful of what supplements you're taking versus what you're eating because you could be just packing um, packing on these things and, they, again, having this adverse effect that things could actually, you know, affect um, the algorithms in your heart, um, you know, too much sodium, too much potassium, just monitoring the things. Be really aware of, um, again, what's going into your body and knowing that health food, yes, is good, but add variety to yourself. And that way, too, you won't feel in a food lull that um, you're just sort of eating these things, mixifying, you know, having all these fun, you know, plants and vegetables. I just bought fresh basil and new plants today, and I just love the way the house smells. I'll, I'll, I'll pick at the plants until it's time to move them outside. You're so lucky that you're so lucky, lucky that the basil's out. I can't, haven't been able to find any at any of the stores yet. So up there here, I goes. guess it's still too cold. Trader Joe's. That is, yeah, but I mean, no I love Trader that's Joe's, but I went and they go. didn't have it yet. I went in today and I bought two just glorious plants of it. <laughs> that's so very exciting. exciting. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, last night I made a really great um, pasta with some, you know, fresh mushrooms and garlic and, and I didn't have any basil. So I cut parsley, sage and thyme. It sounds like a song. And it turned out to be really, you know, it was really, really good. You know, awesome. just added a little sprinkle of cheese and, yeah, quite uh, quite yummy. But, 
You know, it's so right about the importance of not overdoing it with anything. I mean, and we, we tend to forget about that because things taste good and then we think, oh, well, this is really good for us. So I love the idea that no matter how good something is, we do have to just get used to the fact that moderation is key. Completely. I mean, that's, this ends why I, I kind of always find it comical on the news and all the health studies. It seems like every week there's some new research, some new college, something is, you know, found, uh, they've done a study on whatever last week was. Now they're, you know, you'll hear, oh, red wine is good for you. You know, it's good for cardiovascular. And that, the next week they'll say, but in women it causes breast cancer and it can cause kidney issues. And then they say limit it to one glass. And then they say every two days, you know, it's all this information. The best, the thing overall of when it comes down to anything is everything in moderation. Um, you can always have too much of something because our body can only handle so much. So mixify your situations, and then that way it kind of allows you to have more of these things because you've spread them out over little bits of time, and that way it will have a more positive effect on your health. You know, I mean, I think that when you say that, it really makes sense. And, you know, I think you brought another big tip out is that just don't get on these kicks. There are all kinds of fad diets, and they may, st- you know, I mean, and not that kale's a diet because it, it is good for you, but when you overdo anything, uh, it's not going to be good. I remember people going on a carrot juice diet. I know. I was, was literally carrot. thinking the exact same thing. I no way. I yeah, was and they turned say, orange. You know, the big things that have been grapefruit and carrot and how people, when they would go on those carrot things, because carrots are full water, um, they, you know, they're very, they're rich, they're crunchy, so they, they're that sort of, you know, satisfying thing. But um, because of the, the beta carotene in it, so much of it is that people started getting orange skin from it. So those are things, too. And actually, you know, certain when you eat, overeat certain things, you'll start to see certain changes. I'm someone I love kombucha it's kind of expensive so now but for a while I was drinking three four a day because I just felt so healthy when I drink but because of the uh, acidity and it um it was starting to affect my skin because you're and it was just you know my skin was getting oily from it because it was changing the, the acid levels and now I try I have you know maybe one once a day, every couple days, um, and and because I don't have them so often, now they feel even more healthy when I drink it, and it feels so good, and now it has a positive effect on my skin and my digestive system and all those kinds of things, so and again, isn't that, I mean, I think up- that you, isn't that the way that kombucha is supposed to be? Isn't it like a yogurt where, you know, one a day is good for you, but many more, they can be counterproductive? Well, you know, when you read all the things, you know, some say to have, you know, people say that they, it's an elixir that's been around for years and, you know, that they drink, people drink it all throughout the day. Yeah, Again, but they're trying I, to you know, sell no, it. We're not doctors here. I'm just saying personally mixify your things. You know, right. It's okay to have, do a green juice a day, but don't do green juice every day for months and months and months. So, you know, just mixing up your diet and have a more well, great, helpful effect. Great segment, Heather. So the, the takeaway from this is, Superfoods are wonderful, but everything in moderation. So no matter what you read about how great something is for you, nothing is great for you if that's the exclusive thing you eat or drink. And you could get sick from it. You know, you could actually do more harm, and it could be serious harm. So give out the websites, Heather. 
Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. Very great segment. Well, you've been listening live to Star Style, Be The Star You Are. We're on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about best friends forever in the garden. So don't go away. Get ready to romp with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And I'll be back in a bit. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are, you are the star. Plug in your headphones and tune in to enlightening interviews with acclaimed authors and success experts as our Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, gabs with the gurus. Lend us your ears for the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, here's Cynthia Bryan. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, you are listening. Star Style, be the star you are, and I hope that you are having a great day and shining like you should be. Well, I've wanted to announce before we go into the garden that I heard during the break about uh, my speaking things, and I just wanted to give you a heads up that if you would like to attend the National um, Symposium of the Garden Writers Association, it's the 67th Annual Symposium, it's taking place September 18th through 21st. In Pasadena, and I will be one of the featured speak, uh, speakers there, and I'm really excited to uh, to participate and to be part of it. So that uh, is at gardenwriters.org, and you can find out more about this big garden extravaganza that's going on for four days. So let's talk about best friends forever. You know, people have acquaintances, friends, and best friends, and we may like or dislike our acquaintances. We can get along with our friends, and we can really love our best friends. And, of course, we usually have people we don't like so much, and we have some people that, you know, might even be enemies. And, of course, when it comes to our best friends, we sometimes feel that we couldn't live without them. Most of the time, we discover that we are different than our BFFs, yet we're complementary. 
So in the world of nature, plants have favorite companions as well as ones that they wish that they had never encountered. So by planting our gardens in potagers, and potagers mean that it's a garden that's mixed. It has herbs and fruits and flowers. So instead of just being in rows, everything is kind of all together, and then you put your vegetables with it. We can gain destructive insect repellent properties. We can gain beneficial insect attractors. And we have the benefit of higher yields and healthier plants. So as we start digging in our enriched earth this spring to plant our vegetables, it might be useful to know what specimens are compatible and which ones are going to be repelling uh, to one another. So like humans, plants encounter plants that they don't like. And when planted near one another, neither of them will thrive. So the idea behind companion planting is to mix flowers and herbs in a patch together. Herbs have a high concentration of aromatic oils that protect vulnerable plants from insect attacks. And many gardeners find that growing certain plants together actually increase flavor in fruits or vegetables uh, and the fragrances in blossoms. So some of the helpful herbs are rue, tansy, lavender, chamomile, artismia, savory dill, rosemary, catnip, sage, thyme, and pennyroyal. Now, supportive flowers are marigold, nasturtium, and nicotania. Garlic and chives are happy bedfellows with roses and several other plants because garlic and chives or anything in that onion flower uh, family, they give off an odor that will deter the aphids, black spot, and a lot of different bugs. A brew of garlic tea sprayed on plants will keep pests at bay. Now, another great one is chamomile. It's often been called the plant's physician because it has a reputation for improving the health of all the surrounding flowers and herbs. Yes, it's the same chamomile that you put in tea. It's a very pretty little flower. It looks like daisies. When you pick it, it just smells like the chamomile tea. Now, pennyroyal keeps ants away, and marigolds will deter beetles, white flies, maybe even rabbits. And nicotania, which is in the tobacco family, it works on a trap principle where it will attract a predator, which are then caught in the sticky stems and leaves. And then nasturgeum is repulsive to many bugs, beetles, moths, and improves flavors while providing a cascade of edible flowers with long blooming times. So it's fascinating that while one plant may be beneficial to many plants, it could be harmful to some other plants. So what you'll want to do is experiment compa companion planting with some of these popular homegrown vegetables and just see if you experience a difference in quality, in quantity, in flavor, and in pest resistance. So here are just a few of the most common things that gardeners tend to plant in their potages or their vegetable gardens or just in, you know, a little area in the garden. First of all is beans. Friends of beans include eggplant, beets, potatoes, peas, radish, chard, cucumber, everything in the cabbage family, and marigolds. Enemies of beans are garlic, onions, and chives as they stunt growth. Kale. Now kale is currently the most hailed of all the cabbage family. Its BFFs include beets, celery, spinach, lettuce, and chard. Now plant garlic nearby and you'll get really faster growth, improved growth, and delicious flavor. And of course, 
we were talking about kale or Heather was talking about kale in segment one, again, even though it's so healthy, remember, we only want to eat everything in moderation. And we talked about carrots. Carrots, the next thing on my list. Tomatoes, peppers, peas, radishes, and beans all are happy around carrots. Now, chives will increase the flavor. Rosemary and sage will keep the carrot flies from destroying the crop. But keep dill in a galaxy far, far away, or dill will stunt the growth of carrots. Bet you didn't know that. Corn. Now, everybody seems to love corn. It's like an American um, pastime. Don't plant corn next to tomatoes, as the same worm munches on both. Instead, corn will enjoy a companionship of friendship with parsley, melons, pumpkins, and beans. And if you plant marigolds around your corn, you're going to fend off Japanese beetles. And it's interesting that uh, the, the plants that corn likes, because, you know, if you think about corn, it usually harvests like, you know, towards end of summer, and then we use it stocks at Halloween and Thanksgiving. And, you know, that's when pumpkins and stuff are ripe. Eggplant. Now, this is really one of my very, very favorite vegetables to eat as well as to plant. Now, it thrives with peppers and it thrives with beans. And as you're, as you're probably hearing here, beans do pretty well with everything. And there's something about beans. They have nitrog- a lot of nitrogen in them. So even when you dig the beans into the soil, they provide nitrogen to the soil, which provides nitrogen to the other plants. Again, marigolds, another BFF with eggplants. Lettuce. Now, lettuce is, are very easy to grow in a home garden. So you can just throw some seeds um, nearby, the strawberries, the radishes, and the beets, and then you can boost flavor and aphid control, again, with garlic, chives, or onions. Potatoes. Now, there's all different kinds of potatoes out there, but the allies are my favorite eggplant, also corn, cabbage, and beans. Now, again, as I said when I I talked about... um, Um, tomatoes and potatoes do not go together. So even though they rhyme, you know, how tomatoes, I mean, what was it? It was, uh, yeah, how tomatoes and corn don't go together, tomatoes and potatoes don't go together. So just because they rhyme, make sure that you keep them apart. What happens if you do plant them together, you're going to attract blight. Now for protection from beetles, plant marigolds. So pumpkins, every kid wants to grow his or her own Halloween jack-o'-lantern. So squash and melons are good buddies with pumpkins. Nasturgeum and oregano are going to provide the best uh, pest protection. So um, again, when you think of pumpkins, melons, and squash, they're all type of squash. They all grow, you know, on a um, a vine, and so they they all work really well together. Strawberries. Thyme serves as border patrol for strawberries. Lettuce, beans, onions, and spinach. They like to party with strawberries. But you don't want to invite cabbage. (laughs) Cabbage and strawberries, um, anything in the cabbage family. So again, that would be uh, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, anything like that. Don't plant it around strawberries or you'll have terrible tasting strawberries. Now, we already know getting to tomatoes. Now, what would be a garden without tomatoes? I have to have homegrown tomatoes. We already know that tomatoes, potatoes, and corn are not to be planted together. But you need to know that dill and kohlrabi also are not to be planted uh, next to tomatoes because that will stunt the growth. 
Now, the friends of tomatoes are kind of what you would put in a salad. So think about this. Tomatoes and basil, chives, celery, cucumbers, onions, parsleys, and peppers. And those are all delicious ingredients together. What I did is I have a big container because I decided I'm not sure what I'm going to plant this year. I've just planted lettuces and a, a few different small things, beans and stuff in my garden. But I might just let it kind of sit fallow and just enrich the soil. So instead, I planted a big container. And in the container, I did like what I call a salad garden where I put, I did peppers, onions, parsley, and tomatoes and uh, basil. And I think that's going to do really well. The basil isn't really doing so well yet because it's not quite warm enough. But as Heather said, she's now seeing it in the stores, so I'm sure it's coming soon. So when you go out into your garden this spring, Think about building a community of symbiotic friends. Now, don't forget the Iroquois uh, threesome, and it's called the Three Sisters, and that's corn, squash, and beans. And they are inseparable, inseparable sisters that grow and thrive together because the corn grows tall and it shades uh, the squash as it's growing, and the bean twines up the corn. So it's great to have a BFF and also a BFF in the garden. As Eleanor Roosevelt said, good friends are like stars. You don't always see them, but you know that you're always there. And here are a couple of mid-month reminders for you, for your garden. First of all, clear your debris from your home and your garden perimeter. Any dried limbs, leaves, and weeds need to be removed, especially if you are on the west coast or in the drier areas, California, Arizona, New Mexico. Remember, fire season is upon us. And most of us are in a drought. So make sure that you clear uh, everything that could be flammable around your environment. Second is to water deeply once or twice a week rather than in short spurts. You want to encourage stronger roots and you want to save on your water bill. And by doing it deeply, it's going to be better. Also, there is a new free app called Grow It. And the app combines user uploaded photos and GPS utilization with the ability to rate plants to help people find specific plants and inspiration for wherever you are in your locale. This is available at both the Apple app and Google Play stores. Again, the app is called Grow It. And then finally, cut your twining stems of clematis for arrangements that will be colorful. And the wonderful thing about clematis is that you can have blooms in your house for just about three to four weeks. So if that isn't something that to get excited about, I'm not, ex I'm not sure really uh, what is because you don't have to change anything. What happens is they keep, um, they keep, the flowers just keep opening. Now, uh, something else that you want to do now that it is spring is greet visitors at your doorstep with a welcoming basket of flowers or something fresh. You know, the, because what happens is when you, you could just add jars, you get a pretty basket, you could add jars of water and then fill it with flowers from your garden. Or you could cover the inside of a picnic or a picnic hamper, you know, picnic basket, or picnic hamper with a fabric and then put your flowers in it. And this will showcase the glories of the season. And when you're thinking about having barbecues outside, you know, just using Mason jars to put your uh, flowers in are really, really fun. And just do that as um, using uh, spring flowering 
uh, twig, not the twigs, branches with, uh, you know, the fruit on them. This month, cherries are going to be ripe, and soon uh, you're also going to be finding that apricots will be ripe. So you might want to put nets over your trees if you if you have trees that are are um, fairly small that you can do that. Otherwise, the birds will clear them out really quickly. And then finally, don't forget that brown plus green equals black gold because that is a best recipe for compost. It's a combination of carbon-rich brown materials, which is dry leaves, plant stalks, pine needles, small twigs, wood shavings, shredded newspaper, and then nitrogen-rich green materials, which is fresh leaves, long clippings, fruit and vegetable scraps, eggshells, coffee grounds, tea bags. Carbon is the spark that starts the composting process. Nitrogen fuels the microorganisms and that decomposes the materials. And you want to add about three times as many brown materials as green materials. But also remember, never to compost meat, bones, animal waste, dairy products, any diseased um, products or plants. Anything, weeds that have seeds on them because you're just going to get more seeds or any plants that are treated with herbicides or pesticides or anything inorganic. You know, you don't want to put plastic and thing in your compost pile. But if you keep adding kitchen scraps uh, during the year, I mean, and use it season to season, when the weather is warmer, you're going to have really nice compost. And now is the time to mulch because especially if you're in a climate like California that's in a drought, the mulch will hold in the, the moisture. It will retain the heat, but it will also keep your plants cool. So it's really a win-win all the way around. And you probably need about three inches of mulch in your garden. So, uh, you know, dead plants do rot. It's that simple. So chop those garden clippings. You can run over them with a mower that has a bag attachment. Then you can layer it with the, that green and brown material. Just layer it and make sure to keep it moist. Just, you know, add a little bit of water to it, turn it over. And as soon as a bin is full, you can let the pile cook. You know, it'll reach um, an interior temperature of about 140 to 160 degrees. And when it looks or feels like chocolate cake mix, it's time to put on your plants. So hopefully you are out there in the garden. Remember, there's best friends forever in the garden. And don't forget to mulch because it is gold, liquid brown. I guess it wouldn't be. It's like dirt gold. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit. So don't go away. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. In business as in life, it's important to be loyal and dependable. That means not making promises you have no intention of keeping. When customers know that your word is your bond, you'll be trusted and become known as a dependable company. Dependability breeds loyalty. Go beyond your customer's expectation with service and quality. Ask them what qualities they seek in a company that will keep them coming back for more. Being reliable and trustworthy are truly essential for consistency and predictability. 
It takes only a little extra effort to pick up the phone to inform a client on the status of an order or to keep in touch with their needs. Your integrity will reward you many times over with your loyal customers who tell their friends about your excellent service. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information on getting a coaching consult or a consultation, call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Or visit starstyleproductions.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Be Be the star you are. You are the star. Pump up your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, life changing interviews and star studded conversations on our award winning program. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, hosted by the passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. Find all you need in a light that shines. Well, thank you for staying with us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, coming to you live on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. My name is Cynthia Bryan, and I'm always thrilled to be your personal growth coach, and to just to bring you the best information and the latest tips and tricks to help your life be better. Well, in this segment, we're going to talk about money. And it is the most common stressor in America. Yet, I'm not so sure that we as parents are teaching our kids how to handle it. I'm not sure we're doing a good job of letting them know that money matters and how important it is for them to understand the value as their brains are developing. But before I talk about what we can do for the kids, let's talk about ourselves. You know, sometimes we clip coupons, we scrimp whenever possible, we might obsess about building our nest egg, and then we might have a sibling, on the other hand, who is a shopaholic who never frets about the future. So we kind of assume that money habits come always from the parents, but that's not always true. And how do you explain the difference? A lot of it is in our head, specifically that part of the cerebral cortex called the insula, so which is stimulated by unpleasant experiences. So researchers have found people with more activity in that brain region tend to be savers, while those with less can't, you know, they just can't resist the urge to splurge. You know, if they have a, a penny in their pocket, they've got to throw it in a fountain. There's no changing your hardwire, of course, but you can get psyched to break some of the bad habits and take charge of your finances. So before we talk about kids, let's talk about a couple of things that we could do for ourselves so that we can really get our mind over our money matters. So you might have heard of that marshmallow experiment. This was a really famous Stanford study 
that was done with preschoolers. And what they did at Stanford is they presented some treats to preschoolers. And they told them they could eat one right away. Well, it was actually two treats. They, they gave them marshmallows. And they said, you can eat, eat one right, uh, right away. Or if you wait a few minutes, we're going to give you two more. And so the researchers observed the kids, and they observed these kids through adulthood and found that those who delayed gratification were more successful overall. So what does that mean for you? If you are a spender, it's probably hard for you to postpone your pleasure. Your brain is sending messages that the cash in your pocket is there to be enjoyed. And deep down, though, you know that your behavior is unsustainable and you want to change it. So here are just a couple of strategies. So feel the pain by using cash and not credit cards. So by paying as you go, that means no running up bar tabs, it will take that mystery out of how much you're hemorrhaging through all that dough. Instead of making a quick run to the ATM, force yourselves to stand in line and to make withdrawals from a bank teller. And that will drive home just how fast your balances are dwindling. Another idea is to share your plans, how much you intend to sock away and by what date. And you share this with family and friends so that they can hold you accountable. And this is really a powerful motivator. So are goal-setting tools. And you want to make a commitment contract to yourself and set a time frame and monitor your progress. So let's say you're trying to save for retirement. And you do put away some money into your Roth IRA or your contributory IRA. Or if you're lucky enough to uh, be with a company and they are giving you a, uh, you know, a pension plan, that you make a commitment that you are adding to it and that you have a target date. That's really important. And then when you do reach your target, you only want to spend a responsible percentage of what you made so that you really will always have something there. So you might want to, you know, trick yourself, I guess is maybe the way to, is the way to say it, is to say when I get to X amount of dollars, then I can spend, you know, 5% or I can spend 2%. So that's for us as adults. And I can just tell you for me, you know, I am really a great saver and I don't have an ATM card and that's really the reason I don't have an ATM card because I know too many people that have just gone over their balances and all that because it was just so easy to get money and I am one and you've heard Heather and I both say this is that whatever we rack up on a credit card we pay it every single month so that we never have an interest payment whether the banks like that or not I'm not sure but it does give you a good credit rating so, and I am one that I do stand in line and I go to the bank <laughs> and I put the money in and I withdraw that way so that I'm always, uh, you know, on top of what I'm spending. Now, when it comes to kids, this is where I really wanted to talk for a second today because I think it's so important. We know that our kids um, are hearing about money all the time. They hear us talking about it. They see it on the television, they hear their friends, you know, and they really, they really uh, are excited about it from a very young age. I know that my mom said to her great grandson, who was only two years old, 
well, what do you do if you run out of money? And he goes, oh, I just go to auntie <laughs> because auntie always gives me money. <laughs> so, you know, even when they're two, they really, they understand this stuff. So young people's self-esteem increase by 6% after they are introduced to money, money concepts. This was a study at Knox College uh, by a professor of psychology, Dr. Kim Kasser, and he studies materialistic values and goals. 6%, that's pretty good. But only four states, Utah, Missouri, Tennessee, and Virginia, require kids to take a specific course in personal finance. It's up to you to teach them about spending and saving, and it is up to us to start early. So money skills are really a form of intelligence, and just like languages or critical thinking, it's best taught when a child's brain is developing. So in other words, the younger the kids, the better it is. So here are a few guidelines. Age three to five, you can show them the money. So to teach your child that money doesn't appear magically in wallets, talk about your transactions as you make them. And occasionally, let the kid hand over the cash you know, to the, the bank teller or to the clerk at the grocery store. And for extra credit, have your kids decorate three jars with the words share, save, and spend. And then let them toss in their spare coins and talk about ways to use them later. I think, you know, something that, that I always did with my kids when they were little were that same kind of idea of, you know, we have to be able to donate, we have to be able to save, and then you get a, a certain amount that you need just for yourself. Ages Six to eight, you can give them an allowance if you want to do that. It shouldn't be too much, maybe, you know, a, a, a dollar or something. And as you hand over the dough, ask about their spending goals for the week. Think of it as an experiment in which your child can practice using money. And remember, mistakes can help kids learn. So you also at this age should help them set up a savings account and go every month to the bank with them to make deposits so that they get used to it and they get used to filling out slips and they start understanding about the money. Then when they're 12 and up, you want to make sure to put your kids to work. Now, my kids, I had them working from the time they were young because I thought it was a great experience to teach them the value of earning and to being part of a family. But a lot of people decide that at age 12, you know, they can start mowing lawns, they can babysit. It teaches your kids their earning potential, and it also fosters self-esteem because they're really feeling valuable. Now, consider um, downsizing their allowance to provide an incentive to keep working. So discuss what, the, what it is. You probably heard me before say what we did is we had a point system instead of an allowance, and that was... The kids and I sat down and decided what did they really want? What would be really fun for them? And, you know, what was it that just wasn't in, in our budget? So, like, they wanted a trip to Disneyland or they wanted new uh, rollerblades or they wanted a trampoline. So we decided how many points that would have to be, what kind of jobs would give them those points. And they earned them all. And so that was really a great way to do it. So it wasn't a dollar, it was points. And then, again, you can do the extra credit thing. So... You can give them a put a, a job jar, a drop jar or a board in the kitchen, and when you need something done, write it on a scrap of paper, put it in the job, and say what it's going to pay, and see if they want to do it. I think the key is is if they want money, let them know they need to earn it. 
And then from 16 on up, it's really time to teach them how to budget. You don't want to bail your kids out every time they go on a spending spree. And so you want to make sure that they plan ahead. Now, you can start with a pen and paper to teach the basics. And then maybe go online or your phone and get a special app. Uh, There's something called Mint.com. It provides a simple uh, free budgeting tool that can link directly to your kid's debit card. And every month you can sit down to discuss where the money's coming from and how it's going to be divided with expenses. And don't let your kids just tell you that, you know, they want that really expensive pair of tennis shoes or the first class new shirt that's over $100. Let them know if they want it and they're willing to work for it. Well, perhaps it's okay that they can have it. So again, let money matter and teach your kids how important it is that money doesn't grow on trees, that you have to work for your dollar, and that they can easily earn it if they're willing to put in the time and effort. And once again, I want to just thank all our sponsors from the Moraga Fair, Michael Verbrugge Construction, as well as Brooke Albrey and Children's Success Unlimited. Make sure that you go to the website, bethestarur.org, to find out more about the charity. Thank you for being such terrific listeners, and I want you to stay tuned here to Star Style, Be The Star You Are, every week here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about Star Style, visit star-style.com. I hope that you've been encouraged, inspired, and motivated today. And we'd love you to read a book, uh, perhaps Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul or Be the Star You Are. And until next week when we celebrate once again, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Dream, create, inspire, and make a difference, and have a fantastic week. We'll talk next Wednesday between 4 and 5, right here on Voice America. Be the star you are, the star you are, be the star you are, you are the star, be the star you are, keep caring. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program. Star Style, be the star you are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to www.bethestarur.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. You are.